Hello! You're listening to the preview episode of episode 250 of Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a quarter of a thousand, a quarter of ten centuries of Watch Out for Fireballs. This episode goes up through the generalities of Half-Life 2. If you'd like to hear the entire episode, join us at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. $5 a month gives you all of the premium episodes, a bunch of other shows, frankly too much stuff. Dip in and out as you please. That's fine with us. Uh, But check that out for the whole episode and stay tuned for the preview now. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Half-Life 2, which is a first-person shooter developed and published by by Valve for the PC in 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 250. Mm Mm-hmm. A quarter thousand. Uh, I thought about about phrasing it that way uh, yesterday when I was working on these notes, and uh, no. That's way too too much. Big it's numbers a, too much. Of, yep, and then in thirty two years we'll reach a thousand episodes. <laughs> the uh, it's thirty year two years total. Mm-hmm. I will be in my mid sixties talking mm-hmm. about the bleep bloop two thousand and the zip <laughs> the, the the i game. <laughs> yep, and the and and just an iPad and all yeah. these futuristic items. Yeah, well, we'll all just be just sitting, sitting in carbon fire fiber dune buggies, weeping. Yep, time yeah. to log into the Oculus fuck corridor. Yep, please, <laughs> Oculus, bring uh, me game. It's it's ridiculous, but then you also think you've got the extrasodes and the appendices and the uh, dispatches yeah. in there. It's a bunch. We do this. We do, doing lot. this for a long time. This is also the uh, the eighth anniversary of the show. Yeah, yeah, eight years, baby. Mm-hmm. Eight years, nearly a decade. Yeah. 80% of a decade, 80% yeah. of 10. The, uh, <laughs> uh, everything c- gets put c- to a round number. C- coming up on uh, you know, roughly about a third of my life. Yeah. yeah. No. It's a quarter for me. Mm. Just yeah. about. It's pretty crazy. No, it's, um, it's it, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a quarter for me. Eight, eight, eight out of 31. Uh, yeah. So, hi, yeah. hi, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it's, how, it's pretty strange. How's think, mortality feel? Yeah, not great. Yeah. Uh, we're all aging into dust. Mm-hmm. Welcome to death. Uh, so, episode 250. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the uh, 228th game that we've covered for the show. Oh, yeah. Not as good. Not as round a number. Not no, as pleasing. No, but I just I, 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 I like I like updating that list every once in a while just to see. Uh, mm-hmm. That means that on average we have played just a little bit under 29 games a year for the show. 
Yeah. 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 That sounds about right. Just about. With every other week mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. yeah. More and more games this year, probably. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and since we've since we moved to weekly, mm-hmm. you know, less this year and last year. Um, yeah. So this is uh, thanks, everybody, to listen, who's listening. You yeah. Know, there's some of you who are listening who have been here since episode one. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. And we wanted to do a big one, even though this was kind of an accident. Uh, <laughs> this, this came about because we are choosing this is, you know, we've had a lot of patron requests lately. This is not a patron request. No, this no. is us making a big list of good games to have be, you know, our kind of capstone mm-hmm. uh, for the month. And this being one of the gigantic omissions uh, of games that we have not done. One of the easily one of the most important games of all time um, and one of the best shooters of all time. And we have never touched it. Yeah, super excited. I'm taking a look. Our Half-Life episode, the original Half-Life, was about five years ago. So it's almost the Half-Life just of about. the show. Just about. Yeah. 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 No, this was this was a big one, and I think that uh, when I was, I think that I knew it was going to be 250 when when we, when you suggested it. So it's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, that that's cool. That feels appropriate. Um, episode mm-hmm. wasn't episode 125 was was Portal Portal Two. Something yeah. Like that. yeah. Episode episode fifty. Mm-hmm. X Men Legends two. <laughs> the, uh, no episode fifty <laughs> was Castlevania three. Episode oh. seventy five. Episode uh, seventy five, baby. Yeah. The big seven five. X Men. Yeah. XML2. <laughs> X-Men Legends 2. Uh, yep. Hey, hey, you Shadow of the Colossus, you go on 77. Yeah, no. you're not. You're not so great. Yeah. You no, nothing to compare it to the tale of Sugar Man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It, it, you know, it's, it's fun to, you know, speaking of X-Men and comic books kind of stuff, it's fun to put these big games on these big, uh, on these big oh, yeah. round numbers. There's a... Look forward a, to 350 for Blue Shift. Ooh. I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to do one of those, it would have to be uh, Opposing Force. But... I don't know. Yeah. I, that, none of those are that great. Yeah, they're, they're good. Some yeah. point. I, I like it. There's a little bit of like playing chicken. It's like, what do we do that before we do the epi- Half-Life 2 episodes? Absolutely not. No. Yeah, we could we could definitely do the Half-Life 2 episodes at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we still have some Half-Life goodness. And we have a lot. Le- I have a Left 4 Dead episode in me at some point. Oh, like yeah. I, yeah. You know, as far as games that um, I've never talked about on, you know, for the show that mm-hmm. I put hours into, Left 4 Dead's really up there. Yeah. In terms of content, my life, I have not somehow made into content for the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, Left 4 Dead is really, really up there. Yeah. Um, but this is, I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, yeah. This is our premium episode for September. So everybody gets the generalities of this, uh, which will be significant and long. But uh, the full episode is for patrons. Yes. So if you go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, $5 a month gets you this episode, gets you every episode, gets you a bunch of other shows, yeah. uh, gets you, frankly, an embarrassment of riches. Um, we want people, you know, we really appreciate people who support us and we want them to feel good about it. And like they uh, get a lot for their money. Yes. And I think that we uh, we provide that. Yeah. So, so uh, if you're if you're into that, go to patreon.com slash duckvtv. If you already did. Thank you. Big um, thanks. Yeah. Also, be ready for us to gush quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a positive. This is the opposite of the this is Bioshock Finite. This yes. is this is the opposite of. <laughs> of what we dealt with because yeah. this is a phenomenal game yeah uh this stands up better than i expected mm-hmm. to um i enjoyed it more than the last time i played it same uh i was you know? uh i was worried i was worried that it would that it would feel aged um yes. that it wouldn't hold up and you know, i've got a couple i've got a couple of problems with you know some later levels and stuff but like generally yeah i i i feel like i I don't know. I savored this a bit more than my last playthrough which was like going through and getting ready for episode two yeah, same. Very similar. Yeah. Uh, this I I think I I did not have a lot of 
problems with this actually. Like yeah. I was surprised by how smooth this went. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, other than a, a general problem of every level being like 15% too long. That's generally um, where it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. this has a little bit of the, uh, early two thousands PC game problem where it's yeah. like, Oh, just be here. Uh, have a lot. Food's, <laughs> food, food's great. Portions are too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's no to-go box. And I, I don't even know if that's like a PC game problem. It's just this was the t- style at the time of games. Yeah. Like every everything was like this. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's more about modern sensibilities than a real problem with the content itself. Yeah, yeah. Like even when I was a little bit ready for a level to end, I, I was like, got to hand it to him. Yeah. This, this part is still cool. <laughs> I just I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't not because it's bad, though, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, in case you do not know about Half-Life 2. Um, so in this, you play as Gordon Freeman, uh, who wakes up several years after the Black Mesa incident to find that the world has been invaded by an interdimensional alien empire called the Combine. Mm-hmm. Um, see our episode on Half-Life 1 to learn about the Black Mesa incident. Yes. Uh, the Black Mesa incident got the attention of the Combine and brought them to our dimension. Uh, the Combine are good and scary. Um, oh, we're gonna, what, yeah. We're gonna, I want to spend a lot of time on the lore, actually. Yeah. I think it is surprising. I know that's our Valve trick. Uh-huh. You know, Duckfeet's trick is to, like, concentrate on Valve lore and uh-huh. then make people on message boards mad at us for it. But, like, I actually legitimately think that all the world building and details in this game are pretty incredible. No, it's masterclass. I, yeah. I you know, it, I, if it has been topped, it has not been topped very frequently or by much. Topped in, like, Portal. Right. You know, it's like it's been topped by other <laughs> Valve games. Like, it right, is, right. Uh, there's a reason, you know, there's so many elements of this game and playing it that are just about... Uh, you know, take the wheel mm-hmm. like, oh, like a really, really experienced kind of best in class developer is doing this. Just take the wheel. I'm just going to relax. Yeah. You know, there'll be there'll be ammo when I run out. Yeah. I just know there will. You know, there's <laughs> just like as soon as I run out of ammo, I'm going to find some more. Yeah. Like, you know, as soon as I get bored with this sequence, there'll be another sequence. There just will be. Yeah. You know, if it like, oh, there's a, I need some downtime to do some world building. It'll come <laughs> right at the exact moment because this is a finely tuned machine. Yeah. Uh, that figured out so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, ex- expect some some definite lore talk. Yeah, and the combine as a threat, it's kind of rare in terms of video game enemies or threats where you know which kind of come down to size. The more you think about them, you start to mm-hmm. put the bounding box on them. The more I think about the combine, the more existentially terrifying they are. Yeah, as yeah. like a collective of villains and as just like this deleterious force. It's incredibly good, just in principle and in the way that you know it it. it that that informs the marks that we see they made on earth here they like what you know in, in terms of being a sequel and like raising the stakes and raising the scale this is about bars, it, like yeah that. well you know, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's the name of the documentary yes uh no no but in terms of you know that that jump for a sequel this again sticks the landing incredibly hard yeah oh yeah yeah, in in terms of, and then also so much of that is how it tells stories, like yes. these little tantalizing details mm-hmm. about what the combine is actually like. Yes, uh, and then one of my favorite all time moves in video games, and this is getting way ahead, but just a little preview, yeah. is that this game instead of ending with a gigantic, super hard, frustrating boss fight, it ends with a really, really long victory lap mm-hmm. that shows you the full picture of what you've been facing. Yes. Like, and, and, and I just, I love the confidence of that move and you just don't, there's so many like forgotten lessons mm-hmm. in this, like things that have kind of gone out of style or just things I feel like I kept thinking like, oh, Half-Life 2 figured this out. Why am I still dealing with not this? <laughs> you know, like, why do I, why am I playing a shooter that doesn't have this, this pace to it? Because uh-huh. this, they, they figured it out. Yeah. And like, why am I still doing these like ending sequences in shooters that are like 
really frustrating. Like, why am I doing the end boss of Wolfenstein, yep, the new I, order, exactly when Half-Life 2 figured it out? Yeah. You know, why did Halo 3 have? Why did ODST happen? Mm-hmm. You know, like when Halo figured it out, like it's amazing that the vehicles in this feel so much better than the ones in ODST. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. It's true. Yeah. Like, you know, and they're like widely considered the worst part of this game. And they're still like, yeah, competitive. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. Um. So the uh, it, in a lot of ways, it's similar to the, the first game, which mm-hmm. codified tons of shooter tropes. Like Half-Life 1 was one of the first games to have WASD standard. Um, is it a fault? A lot of these things we take for granted in FPSs mm-hmm. started with Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2 doesn't upset that apple cart very much you're very quick um the weapons are loud have a lot of heft to them um if there's no cover system it is mm-hmm. you know it is a, a a fairly straight putt shooter yeah um they even stuck to their guns with health and armor um mm-hmm. you know even post halo you still have health pickups you still have uh you know your suit energy you still have these refilling stations again that is an incredibly good decision because it allows them to um put a really firm hand on the throttle for your resources yes. yeah again you you just sit back and say hey when i need health i'll get it yep like oh i have to jump down onto this crate to break my fall there'll be a health container on there that heals me for the fall damage yep exactly like this is just tuned yeah uh so impressively mm-hmm. um the uh one of the bigger changes to the world and kind of combat to this is uh this emphasis on physics so this is the source engine mm-hmm. uh, an incredibly important engine in games uh that includes havoc physics yes and uh this allows for a new emphasis on kind of different kinds of puzzles yes. um half-life one also had puzzles of a sort but a lot of times they were platforming or navigation yeah um when we went back to half-life one i was surprised by how much of it was focused on platforming mm-hmm. um things now uh it is much more about picking up moving throwing items items having weight um you know a lot of seesaws mm-hmm. conspicuous number of seesaw style <laughs> things um you know and just kind of showing off this this physics engine yeah stuff that was that that is very much just putting this forward in a way that's kind of like goofy when you think about it in retrospect like oh yeah Mm -hmm. it's like super obvious that there's like okay we have we have a physics engine every every problem can be solved with a seesaw etc no like it was just like massively important at the time that you had the ability to like code particular objects with different weights Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like different materials that that are that interact with each other in different ways, depending on the properties that are conferred upon them. Right. Yeah. Um. So uh, so some of really the impressive and, and more than just the puzzle solving, more than just seesaws. So like this is something that will happen in environmental mm-hmm. uh, things. You know, you'll shoot, uh, you know, a series of boxes and something on top of box will haul down. Like, yeah, it makes the entire world feel a lot more alive mm-hmm. than it otherwise would. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still not kind of best in class. Like later games would do a lot more with this. Yes. Um, but this is a real front runner in having a sense of realistic world state rules mm-hmm. that mirrors our own. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be solving these puzzles to move forward. And, you know, there are lots of kind of stage gimmicks and things like that in the game. We're going to talk about those. Those do aid in the pace quite a bit. The most mm-hmm. memorable one and also probably the best or one of the best items in games centers on centers on these physics, which is the gravity gun, which is such an ingenious idea. Yeah, the gravity gun is one of those goat. Things. It's like the portal gun. Again, yeah, yeah. make a lot of comparisons to that. Uh, that game just in terms of like weird sheer perfection mm-hmm. um, the gravity gun is so fun uh, it's extremely fun to use in this game they it has a, a massive payoff uh, during the climax of the game 
Um, it is, you know, whenever anyone asks like, Hey, what item would you want from real, from a game into real life? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not answering this or the portal gun, yeah, like what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, like, I, I just don't understand. Like both of them, I would kill myself in seconds. Oh yeah. yeah. Like if I had the gravity gun, I would just like point it at something too heavy that would come and smash me in the face and then <laughs> fall on top of me. Right. And then I would die and I would be the environmental storytelling for cops yes. or paramedics. <laughs> like paramedics would come and get to solve the super fun mystery of how yeah. I killed myself with the heaven wish about getting the gravity gun. <laughs> um, but I would still do it. It's like how I would still go to Jurassic Park. Right. Like if they opened up Jurassic Park tomorrow, I'd be like, yeah, I got to put away all my money. I'm sorry. No, it's a like, it, it is. It is a risk I'm willing to take. Yes. yes. Same thing with the gravity gun. It right. is so cool. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, really satisfying weapon. You know, so like there, there's a lot generally to be said about the sound design in the game. I think the sound of the uh, of the gravity gun works a mm-hmm. lot uh, to it to its credit as well. Um, just that lightning bolt sound that happens when you do the throw with it. Yeah. That almost always presages something get, getting massively fucked up. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's just, uh, I don't know. Like it, it's, it's hard to talk about something. It's hard to put into words, something that is as tactile as that is. Yeah. And, and just like this huge utility item, yes. um, that, you know, the game is, is based around it mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and we'll talk about that level variety yeah. uh, for sure, but just having levels that are based around the gravity gun in multiple different applications, mm-hmm. uh, incredibly satisfying like they they give you a combat gravity gun level and then they give you a navigation gravity gun level mm-hmm. shortly after and they're both really cool and really inventive yeah uh and just you know getting grown 2004 <laughs> um hey guys yeah, so, guys it's, it was you know it's a long time ago um <laughs> the uh the weapons you get are very like fps style weapons they're all pretty good though yeah uh they again that sound design um you know combine rifle one of the loudest mm-hmm. guns in games um and you know we, we've we learned anything it's that the way to make guns feel good in games is to make them loud as fuck yeah is thank loud. you doom and fuck everyone who forgot yep you know <laughs> just uh you know doom figured it out half-life did it too mm-hmm. people forgot just make these you know make them loud yeah bc and loud mm-hmm. you know yeah but make me feel it yeah you know yep. make me feel the kick in my novin falcon yes yes yeah. i've got a, a tiny subwoofer under my desk yeah <laughs> And I need to I need to have uh, be rattled. Yes. Destroy my bit. balls with that base, please. Yes, indeed. Thunderstrike me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we'll talk about the particular weapons when we get to them in the story. They do feel cool and different from each other. Um, mm-hmm. Something that differentiates for a good deal of Half-Life 1, uh, you're fighting aliens. And they'll pretty much like run at you, run at you, and do their attacks. Um, it's notable in Half Life One when the military starts coming after you. Here, you're fighting human enemies throughout. You know because it takes place in this police state. Uh, what's great about that is the AI is really good. And one of my metrics for uh, how good is AI is this: Can you catch it by surprise? Yeah. If you can't yeah, catch it, it by surprise, it that is not AI. <laughs> no, yeah. If it if it just has a radius of which it becomes magically aware of you, yeah. you know, uh, based that versus, uh, you know, something where like if you are sneaky, if you cover your sight lines mm-hmm. and walk, you can you can come upon it. Um, they also coordinate with each other via radio chatter. Yes. Uh, that you can hear that again, just talking about the sound design in this game, just, <laughs> you know, fucking gives me chills. Like it is uh, the it is so good. Yeah. The combine's voice, the flatline sound when you kill oh, one of them. So, yep. No, I love that. I love throwing a grenade, yep. thinking, okay, wait, is it going to? Is it going to? Yep. Boom. Bee. Bee. Okay. Yeah. 
absolutely like one of the best feelings in games yeah. <laughs> uh, to do so. Um, and, you know, it is because of that AI that those strategies end up becoming useful. Mm-hmm. They also get more and more uh, in a way that's not only uh, related to their AI, but also related to kind of the story, getting more and more devious as you go on, set more traps and yes. things as they get more desperate as you, the last free man, mm-hmm. get closer to achieving your goal. Yeah. Um, and that is also really satisfying. Like there are some really devious ambushes, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in this game that the, uh, the, the enemy and part of that just encounter design, but part yeah, of this yeah. AI as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so both of which work in tandem yes. really well. Yeah. Um, pretty good. And you can benefit from that AI. Uh, you do have an AI partner for some of these. You have Alex. Uh, we'll talk about her when we get to her. Um, but you also get like squads first of bugs yeah. and then of dudes that you can send to their death. There are there's significantly more uh, Left for Dead DNA than I, I would have thought. Yeah. Like and part of it is those squad tactics, uh, the way that works. And then part of it is a specific item with those bum, those bugs that reminds me of Boomer Bile. But like mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of Left for Dead in this. Yes. And you can see them kind of experimenting with having squads here before Left for Dead came out. Yeah. Um, you know, and they it's it's the squads are not a core mechanic to this. No. Um, one of the things that doesn't age or that is it ages actually is aged really well, but it's unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, is that instead of being a game with a a core mechanic uh, that iterates on throughout, it is a game that is meant to be a uh, a little bit of a variety show. Yeah. Um. You know, each uh, this is a weird connection I came upon when replaying it, but the closest game to this in terms of rhythm and pace that I can think of is Resident Evil Four. Yeah. And that's a that's a odd comparison. But they're both games that are dedicated to having uh, a parade of gimmicked or themed levels that are designed to keep your attention up and mm. stop things from getting stale. Yeah. Um, and it, it's that's not again, that's not really uh, in style right now. And I, there's a interesting. So there's a, a critic who I like named Aaron Signal who did a video on this and was talking about how in, his, in one of his older videos, I don't think he like he did a commentary on it later that he was kind of chagrinny. So I don't know how much he stands by this stuff, but he's talking about how Half-Life 2 is overrated hmm. and he's talking about it being uh, just this, you know, beautiful corridor that you go down. Like you're not basically, you know, he's talking about how you don't have a lot of choices in terms of the story. Like you're basically being taken along for a ride. There's a part of that video that is amazing where he's talking about like the different, the level variety and he's doing it in the board guy voice like the dumb idiot voice Mm -hmm. where he's like now it's time for vehicle now it's time for long range combat with multiple units Hmm. now it's time for short range ambushes with shock trooper units and i'm like how that's the wrong voice for this yeah awesome yeah like that that is that is great like doing that i loved it when we went back to resident evil 4 like Uh i love like oh time for traps oh time for survival oh time for sniping like that kind of dedication to uh, a thesis for a level Mm mm-hmm is something that obviously like appeals to us a lot as the you know creators of Bonfireside Chat, but I don't understand how it doesn't appeal to everyone. Yeah, you know, I could understand if it was going to be something where um, each of those modes was strictly modal. You know, like yeah, okay, they, it's they, going to certain. They actually interact. It's, yeah, it's not, they, they bleed. It's not Tomb Raider 2016 where right. it's like it goes between three modes on a set like a clock like rhythm almost. Mm-hmm. You know, this goes through a way a much greater variety of modes, and because you're kind of engaging with the same systems mm-hmm. in each one, so like the physics that you use in a puzzle section can also benefit you in the combat sections. Yeah, can also benefit you in a, a navigation section. The buggy or, doesn't work without the gravity gun. Yeah, exactly. And you can use the buggy for combat. Mm-hmm. You can use the buggy for getting around. You can use it for all these things. Everything bleeds together. I think it makes it different than Tomb Raider 2016, where. Hey, in the stealth section, if I actually shoot somebody, I'm going to get overwhelmed 
on purpose. Like a, yeah. a bunch of enemies are going to come out and basically going to die. It's not time for that. Yeah. There's no bleed. This is your, you know, in both games, Resident Evil 4 and in Half-Life 2, you're controlling the same basic avatar and the same basic moveset through this like gallery yeah. of different uh, uh, gameplay modes yeah. that you can do. And they, they, uh, it just, it's just amazing. Yeah. And like, you, amazing stuff. And you can, you can prize like general nonlinearity in games as a personal value that you enjoy. I don't know that like linearity or nonlinearity is the sole axis by which a game's quality can be gauged. Yes. You know? Um, and additionally, like there are different expressions of nonlinearity. There are different, you know, a- avenues by which player expression is honored in this as, as regards how you approach different, um, you know, d- your different encounters here. Um, there are different like little corners that you go, that you can go and explore that will reward that instinct to cast out that I, I think that I, I think that I buck against this person who is not here to defend themselves. I buck against the idea that this is strictly just a corridor. Uh, yeah. It's very corridor-y. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. And in a way, Half-Life 1 and this by, you know, solidifying a lot of stuff that Half-Life 1 laid down probably is responsible for a lot of imitators that did it worse than this. Yeah. You know, story hallway game. Yeah. 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 Uh, this though, I think is sui generis. It, it is, you know, kind of one of a kind because it does so much of it with a tremendous amount of care that the kind of overall you know, like macro linearity doesn't bother me because of the cool. micro the the micro nonlinearity, nonlinearity, yeah, the yeah. diverticula, yeah, like and and also having having nonlinearity or having that uh, not contributing to a story <clears throat> being a values neutral principle mm-hmm. is strange to me because like the same way that I you you know you can read a work of high literature and then you can also read a genre novel mm-hmm. or you can go and enjoy an art film but you also go and enjoy John Wick, yeah, like every once in a while. You know, it's a big enough pie. Yeah. Like games are a big enough pie that like, yes, I want this sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Other times I don't, Yeah, you know, yeah. but this is like a really excellent version of this is not to be scoffed at. Like it is right, right. really, really impressive, even if it isn't something that is like asking questions of the medium and challenging you with complicated, like it's not spec ops, like it's not right. asking you complicated moral questions. Yeah. I, I don't give a shit. Like it, it is a really, really fun, well-paced like sci-fi thing and it is never been more out of style to be the person who doesn't like john wick <laughs> right you know who doesn't like the 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 popcorn yeah movie you know or can't appreciate a certain kind of modest putt yeah and this is you know this is this is a mod like a, a no frills hole in one mm-hmm. you know it's not even a putt right like th- this is this is so well done you know yeah it's even if it is just you know just a just a golf stroke. I have lost the metaphor. Uh, probably. I just, uh, the, uh, <laughs> I do, I do, I do not. <laughs> if, if, so I do not bristle if somebody calls this a story corridor as uh, a description. I do bristle if they, if they use it in this particular instance as a condemnation. I suppose. Yeah, like a slur. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a damning thing of this. And it just makes me feel, it's also a thing too, where that story corridor part of it, has actually aged better. Like I was surprised by how refreshing mm-hmm. this was again, you know, that, that uh, kind of sublimation, like I was telling you, like, Hey, just let, let Valve take the wheel. Yep. That feeling uh, being an overriding mood of my entire playthrough, incredibly perfect, uh, refreshing. Yeah. You know, it's not, um, it's not dead space. It's not just having a little pointer telling me where to go. It's mm-hmm. not that kind of take the wheel. It's not Kirby's air ride, <laughs> you know, taking the wheel, but it is uh, really refreshing 
uh, now that, you know, and even games I love, but like kind of more obtuse, um, you know, you deal with it. Mm -hmm. Kind kind of mechanics are more in vogue now. Even if I like those mechanics, it was really awesome because a lot of developers, I think, want to have this like, no, no, we'll just take the wheel and control things, Mm -hmm. but aren't nearly as good at it. Right. You know, this is this is a uh, this is playing with fire, mm-hmm. you know, like being this uh, this much of a story corridor. You have to be like this good to make that work. Yes. You know, yeah. um, that variety is also helped by the fact that you are exploring vastly different environments than in the first game. Yeah, it's like you a know? world tour. You yeah, know, you're, you're not yeah. just inside, you know, inside hallways at Black Mesa, mm-hmm. you know, which does get the kind of samey. Like eventually you get out to the cliffs and everything. Yeah, yeah. that game. But this, you're you're a wide variety. Yeah, you're in a city. You're in, you're in its surroundings. Don't get me wrong. You spend a lot of time in sewers and in canals and stuff like that. But you are kind of more more wide ranging as uh, as yeah. far as things go. Uh, and each of those environments designed really really well. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So it uh, it feels really good. Um, we talked about that pacing, um, not only just of like levels and everything, but just of of pickups mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, you are even if you if you are on the lookout for little side paths and secrets on these little lambda caches, mm-hmm. uh, you will be over prepared for things. If you're not, you'll be regularly prepared prepared yes. for it. Um, and you will see throughout these uh, as you're kind of exploring for these caches. You will see these little world building details uh, of which we're going to talk about when you run into them. Mm-hmm. But you get to find out, like, what is the world like now? Yeah. Um, you know, what is what is the threat of the combine? What is the combine doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, this definitely used to be an ocean. Like, why is there a ship here? <laughs> oh, we don't get oceans anymore. No, Fuck. these guys got to go. <laughs> these aren't you your know? oceans. <laughs> yeah. These, these No, that's my ocean. You yeah. know, don't don't take away. Don't take my ocean. Um, yeah. You know, so you, you get to see that little stuff through kind of exploring and paying attention mm-hmm. in a way that never dominates the experience, but is always there for you if you want it. Yeah. So the game, you know, kind of has its cake and eats it, too. It can have all of these wonderful details, but it never discourages you from keeping moving. It never stops yeah. you and rubs your nose in it. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, and I mean, famously, like, you know, Half-Life 1 was the one of the originators of this, but like they don't take control over you. Yes. Um, there are cutscenes. Like you'll have NPCs that talk to you. You'll have NPCs that talk as you walk by. Yeah. Um, you hear this radio chatter and stuff, but then there are also small kind of exposition scenes where people talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you just get to be Gordon during that. Yeah. Uh, and you get to, and on one hand it's like, is it immersive if they're having this discussion about the fate of the world and I'm just trying to see how high I can get up on their like computer rig? No, oh, no, no, uh, do what I'd rather have just sat back and watched a cutscene. No, no. <laughs> you know, no, like I, I, that, that's a worse alternative yeah. to this, to just have this turn into a non-interactive portion of the game, mm-hmm. you know, and that is a mindset that informs like all of my favorite games. Basically like that is the Oh, four, five, one main mindset, even though this is by no means an Oh, four, five, one game, yeah. but that kind of never taking control away from the player, mm-hmm. letting you be in that, you know, have that level of like kind of immersion and simness, the entire time is something that's really valuable to me. Yes. Um, additionally, again, you know, we, we talk about developer confidence quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. However, uh, something that kind of plays into this is there's a lot that they do not feel the need to um, explain to you, to have somebody mm-hmm. say out loud, to have Breen do in one of his Breen casts, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, like, and if we still did sketches, <laughs> that Breen cast was a real like layup for us. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, man, we definitely could have done a Breen cast. <laughs> like you Breen cast with like some kind of blue apron, but through the combine. <laughs> You know, I don't know. Yeah. There's some there's something there. There's a joke kit somewhere yeah. in there, but like yeah. yeah. Luckily we 
no longer do those. So yeah. the Breencast sketch, <laughs> but just uh, you know, like like no, nobody straight up says like, oh yeah, they 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 drained our oceans to get all the minerals and stuff. No, like nobody explains that. You just walk to the coastline and you see like, oh, this is where the water used to be, and now it's down here, and it yeah. leaves you to put it together. Um, yeah, you know, and just like you know. It, it, it is not afraid to just let you put that put put that together for yourself, uh, which I appreciate quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of those are the most horrifying realizations that you get to like, oh, you don't start shelling a world with head crabs if you care about what happens to what the happens world when to you're done world. with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they are not. Uh, and the, the level of um, two two levels of text that are happening through this, because not yeah. only are you getting uh, what you're seeing with your eyes. And what the rebellion is telling you, you're also getting the propaganda line yep. the entire time. And that's just – I don't know what the word is for that or how I describe it. Mm-hmm. That's just something I always love. Yeah. You know, even in real life, in you know the terrors that we exist, I'm always interested in like how this is being sold. Yeah, yeah. You know, like why, 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 why do conservatives not believe in climate change? <laughs> you know, I'm always interested in that. Like what is this being sold to them yeah, as? Yeah, yeah. No, you know, and, and we actually get that in here. Like we get to actually see you know our benefactors. Like mm-hmm. – Breen is an amazing villain. Yes. Uh, like we'll get to it, but he's like, he's a really, really good villain mm-hmm. um, during this. And and you get uh, the idea of having the villain being uh, a, a collaborator, mm-hmm. like a, a quizzling piece of shit. Like not, he's not a, a, an other dimensional space tumor and he's not a cackling like Luca Blight. Uh, he's looking out for number one in a really horrible situation. Yes. And lying to you constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's just really, really amazing to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, just, I, I love like just the, the, those two levels of text. You're just living in the rhetorical dissonance. Yes. Yeah. 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 Incredibly good. Um, level design is again, tremendous, like really, really good. Um, the way forward is almost always evident without, uh, you know, without a big glowing arrow. Mm-hmm. You know, without ever doing that kind of thing. This is stuff that they would go on to talk about in the commentary for Left 4 Dead games. Right. Um, as kind of a house style. Um, as far as I know, there's not a commentary for, for Half-Life 2. There is. Um, oh, there is? I have not yeah. played the commentary. For it, was put, cool. it was put out in uh, in the uh, orange box. Oh. Yeah, yeah I'll, have to, I'll have to check that out at some point because mm-hmm. the, I love those for, for Left 4 Dead. Yeah. Um, should have. Uh, I wish I'd known that. I just didn't didn't see it because I would have done it before it, it, it does weird. It does weird stuff with your save files if you if you have one of those on. I did a little bit of it in the past, but like a lot mm-hmm. of the details are stuff that um, is surfaced in those in those other ones, like in the portal, like just the general de- design yeah. philosophy of like make, make you look up, you know, like you can get a lot yeah. of you can get a lot of it by doing the developer commentary in Lost Coast. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, so the uh, uh, you can they that stuff happens through in the level design here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of just like using light and using sight lines yes. really effectively, like almost like a theme park, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you always have, you know, the Citadel, which is where you're ultimately going to be. It's always above you. Yeah. Like you can always see it in the city. It helps you, um, you orient yourself you're in the world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're landmarks. Mm-hmm. Even smaller, uh, even happen. smaller ones like, you know, in Ravenholm, you can see the, the Onion Dome Church on the coastline. You can see Nova Prospect, um, mm-hmm. you know, looming in the distance. Just incredibly good, just like basic orienteering that is built into that is built into this. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to let it go unremarked upon that the kind of the, the visual design of the world, the human architecture and the way that combine stuff is encroaching in on it was done by Victor Antonov, uh, who wanted to, who went on to do visual design for Dishonored. 
Yeah, uh, which so, makes tons of sense. Yes. So if you're They're looking, amazing. Yeah, if you're, if you're if you're looking for commonalities or through lines, that is a major one by way of personnel. Mm-hmm. No, no. Um, let's talk Source Engine. Let's do it. Uh, the Source Engine is a Half-Life Two development. They they came hand in hand mm-hmm. together, and this is a major piece, like a major engine, a major piece of technology. Yes, for games. Yeah, um, it's you know, still in use, heavily iterated upon. It is currently uh, the backbone of Dota because Valve, mm. you know, uh, I forget who made the joke originally. Valve does not make games anymore. They make money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, for me, and this is just me personally, the biggest visual enhancement that this brought was the facial animation. Um, the lip sync and general facial emoting was something that blew me away when I first saw this, like way back in the day compared to just like the, you know, frozen upper face and then just kind of like basic lip flaps that go on sure. in, in, yeah, like- in a lot of games, you know? Um, and this was bolstered by, they put out tons of videos kind of just showing, you know, moving sliders and, you know, making the different, uh, uh, the different expressions that, uh, people in the game can do. Uh, it goes a long, mm-hmm. long way uh, to kind of bolster this direct storytelling when they decide to do it. Yeah, yeah. One of, one of the first things I remember seeing is uh, Alex Vance expressing sympathy, like her, you know, her eyes kind yes. of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, the opposite of the angry eyes. Uh-huh. She, she reverse American Kirby's. <laughs> um, the, uh, seeing that, and then this became a bit, you know, all those sliders and stuff became a big meme mm-hmm. kind of thing. Which you know, we'll we'll talk about that at some point. Yeah. The kind of uh, Gary's mod and the kind of uh, weird memification. Yes. Of uh, of Half Life Two, which luckily like I ignored. Like I played this game when it came out, but I was not online at all. So I was just right. like, I missed all that stuff. It's awesome. I don't <laughs> want to see it. Uh, you, you need to see it. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. The um. So yeah, seeing the the facial animations and then the physics, which we mentioned, mm-hmm. um, you know, which was just huge. It not only changed uh, the kind of visual impressiveness because it does factor into that. Like you'll have these kind of set piece things. You know, oh, this tower, you know, the tower collapsing mm-hmm. uh, on the fan boat section, very famously. But you'll also have it show up emergently, mm-hmm. um, in uh, in battles. And uh, this became this is when physics kind of became a watchword. Yes. Um, kind of an arms race, similar to how lighting effects used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, physics were the thing to beat. Yep. Uh, for quite a while. Yeah. Um, the production of the game was infamously troubled. Uh, it took five years to make, had lots of false starts. Five years as, uh, you know, a definition for vaporware is kind of ridiculous and quaint now because most games now take five games to a lot of big big games like this take five years to develop anyway mm-hmm. um yeah. you know valve had no timeline they put out release dates that they knew they couldn't hit just a bunch of stuff kind of uh you know uh dick and dick in the fan or jerking the fan base around let's say yeah dick in the jerk base around yeah jerk in the dick base <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like 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 dicking somebody around is a little bit more malicious or malevolent than jerking them around i think Mm. So I wanted, I, that, that, that's why I backtracked on that phrasing. Dicking around can also be more fun, though. Mm, yeah. So like, if, if it was just like, yeah, I was just, I was just dicking around. Oh yeah, that sounds yeah. kind of fun. But if like, I was just jerking around, mm. then like, who knows what that means? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then like, you can get jerked around by like your bank, but if yeah. you're getting dicked around by your bank, <laughs> that's, that's definitely like a different feeling too. Yeah, a like, chase keeps dicking me. Like that's a weird <laughs> different valences. Yeah, yeah. That, that feels you know extremely strange. So they they were uh, they were they were they were playing. Yeah. They're trifling. Yes, uh, for a while, and then they stopped trifling 
uh, put out the game. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, uh, there were a lot of changes to this. There's uh, a lot of early versions of this. You can mm-hmm. find in both, I assume, in that commentary, but I also just found in other research. Um, the original version was a lot darker. Um, there were, like, child prisons mm-hmm. and stuff. That's um, weird. What a dystopian like, idea. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. I can't believe uh, that you talked about that for all of one sentence. Yeah. The um, the uh, so there were like child prisons or children. There's a lot more body horror, yeah, uh, and it was a lot darker. And it's already a really dark story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not like it's a it's a particularly light story, right? Um, but it used to be a lot darker. Um, and a lot of that got changed naturally, but also got changed uh, because the source code and a lot of content was stolen from Valve's servers. Mm-hmm. Um, a hacker uh, did this, and this was on the the back of. The hype for this game being absolutely like this weird critical mass. Yeah. Um, I was reading about it today, and I guess there was like kind of an epidemic in Europe of pirated copies of it that just had uh, viruses. Yeah. But you would go to somewhere and give them like $60 for a CDR that had Half-Life 2 written in Sharpie. Mm-hmm. And you put it in your computer, and it would just be like the Nedry virus from Jurassic Park. <laughs> and oh, no. Like, well, that's the worst $60 I ever spent. You know that? <laughs> This isn't Half-Life 2. This is a really <laughs> experimental game. You know, yeah. Half-Life 2. But uh, that was, you know, when things – that just kind of shows the fevered pitch people had to get their, their hands on this, their grubby little gamer hands. Yeah, yeah. So right. you can go. You can find YouTube videos. Um, I, I have yet to find one that didn't have somebody who uh, struck me as obnoxious talking over it. I wish I could just find, like, uh, like here's a playthrough. Here's a no commentary playthrough of the of, of the beta. You can also find, like, lists of details that were cut. Like, originally there was going to be, like, the Manhack Arcade, which mm-hmm. was a place yeah. where people went to play video games. But, oh, no, Ender's Game, they're actually fighting wars. Uh, they're actually yeah. like like hunting down dissidents with man hacks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool ideas. Yeah. But and one of the, that's one of the like Valve's like developer trademarks is their uh, willingness to cut things that sound cool. Mm-hmm. You know to to make something more perfect. Yes. You know uh, that is that's something that they do. Right. So um, that's okay. You know, like I, you know, I don't mind that. Like I'll always have that cut content. Yeah. Uh, there, including episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so. Steam, a uh, big part of Half-Life 2's story. Right. Like the service launched with this. These two things are tied together. Right. Like the Steam yeah. was this game's DRM pretty much. Even yep. if you bought it um, physically, I got, a, I got a physical copy of this for Christmas. I opened it up and I was like, okay, I'm going to secretly install this. Um, you know, because I couldn't wait. Again, everybody was at a fever pitch for this. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, what the, what the hell is Steam? And it was just too much. And I just cheapishly went back and put the and, and put the disc back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Rewrapped it. Yeah. Gave it back to Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Steam was a real disaster early on. Yeah, yeah. Um, people hated it. Uh, it was not a good service. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically got better. And that is why Valve prints money now. Yes. Uh, as a thing. And there's a whole wave of discourse about Steam and Epic and stuff like that that we're not going to get into right now. Nope. Because uh, it's, you know, for, for my purposes, Steam has basically done what it's needed to do in my life. So. Like, I'm not absolving it of anything, but like, you know, it did help me discover and play a lot of games I would not otherwise be able to play. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't be too mad at it, even though I recognize that it is problematic to a degree. There are problems. Um, Valve also made a wise decision by opening up the source SDK. Uh, this is how we got a good number of mods. Uh, you know, Gary's mod being kind of the notable one among those kind of a, a tool for making machinima and just kind of generally, uh, dicking around 
with the mm-hmm. physics or jerking around. Thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> either way. Um, yeah, uh, messing around with uh, with uh, you know the, the the source engine. So you know, lots and lots of both uh, you know games officially made in source. Uh, yeah, this is not the first source game we've covered. We, you know, early on we did Vampire uh, Titanfall Two is based on a uh, very heavily modified version of the source engine, et cetera, and down the line. But Valve took their experience with how important mods were for the original half-life and extending its uh you know lifespan as a game and they just kind of you know continued to build that in and allow it really really genius move you yeah. know because this is how they get games yeah like doing you know doing with the first one is how they got counter-strike you know and team fortress mm-hmm. you know as people people doing those as mods like updating that old quake mod yeah uh, to be in their engine and then opening this up is how they got portal right you know, like they, you, they, this is how they get games right. uh, in a lot of ways. And then they did, they hire the people who make them, mm-hmm. you know, so people who make like really ambitious mods for these games get hired on at the company right? or at least like have mm-hmm. uh, generally. Um, so that is, you know, a cool way for them to, to open, open that up. Um, this is one of the uh, best received games of all time. Yeah. Um, similar to, you know, again, Portal, are there dalliances with Valve? Um, this was long anticipated. Critics, players generally absolutely love this, felt it, you know, lived up to an unprecedented hype. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it's really hard for me to say, having revisited that I think that it is overrated. Like as an experience now, there are games that are more fun or more satisfying to play. It stands up remarkably well uh, and still remains a really fun time. Yeah, I was worried. Um, I was worried. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a reasonable worry, you know, and I'm sure that we'll get some responses. Like some people will be like, yeah, you know, I don't think it holds up. Happy to disagree with that. Um, The also thing, too, was when this came out and I played it as well, uh, it lived up for me. Yeah. Like this was when this game came out, I lost my shit Mm -hmm. uh, for it. Like absolutely adored it. And, uh, you know, and same thing with the orange box, same thing with the episodes. Those things came out. I was also all in. Just major, Uh, major events when when these games dropped. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so there's been some, uh, you know, official content that they've put out. Uh, there's Half-Life 2 The Lost Coast, which is basically like a tech demo that they did to show off their HDR, basically uh, enhancements to the uh, um, to the visual effects that they uh, put into the game. This is also where they started introducing developer commentary. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, like if you are curious about not, you know, not making games because not everybody can make a game. Um, but just, you know, understanding like where certain games, you know, succeed and fail, you can do worse than to look at these developer commentaries, uh, because it is very smart practitioners explaining the decisions that they made. Um, and it will, it sharpened my eye very early on. Oh, me too. Like it's a real easy way. You know, we take uh, level level design is really hard to see. Mm -hmm. And even though I think that we do an all right job, uh, talking about, you know, individual elements of it that make it uh, good, you know, succeed or fail. Um, not a, you know, there are other places that do this better, mm-hmm. who break this down in a more granular sense than we do. And a good way to even know how that there is that language mm-hmm. or these commentaries where they all talk about uh, things just like, hey, you know, we did this drop off here. Yeah. You know, things you don't even see. Like it is, it is definitely like an invisible language mm-hmm. to most playing. Like I can tell, and I'm at the point now where it's like, I can tell when it's good, I can tell when it's bad. I can tell things that make it bad pretty easily. I can mm-hmm. tell some things that make it good. Yeah. You know, that's definitely like, you know, I'm less good at that half of it. 
Um, but this was a big intro intro to that, yeah. that language for me. Yeah, it's a cliche. Um, it's a cliche about any kind of design. It's also a cliche about film editing. If you're noticing it, it's probably because it's fucking up. Yeah. Same thing about like janitorial services. <laughs> yeah. If you're noticing it, <laughs> yeah. they didn't do it well. Yeah. You know, things don't just come clean. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two episodes. They decided instead of doing Half-Life 3, they decided to break it up into episodes because we had a, a sickness as mm-hmm. a nation for a time where everything was going to be episodes. Right. Um, and they released two Half-Life episodes, uh, both of which are really good, neither of which is as good as the base game. Right. Um, we will probably cover these at some point. Yeah. Um, Half-Life 3 is really interesting. Um, you know, it's a, it's a meme, it's a joke, yeah. but it's actually probably the most infamous piece of vaporware yeah, yeah. Uh, that exists. Um, it is, uh, they basically kind of stopped working on it and they stopped announcing things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, uh, a good little bit um, in Noah Gervais' video on Half-Life 2 where he talks about um, somebody at a convention asking uh, Gabe Newell um, about Ricochet 2, which mm-hmm. was a, another game that they had published. Right. Um, or Ricochet 3 in kind of a way that allowed uh, Gabe to answer about Half-Life Episode 3. Mm-hmm. And he basically said that uh, when they make games, they keep coming up with new ideas and rejecting things. So they've gotten really gun-shy about announcing things because they're yeah. just going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a long time ago, yeah. even though that happened, though. So it is pretty doubtful that this will become a thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um, you know, everything that I have read, you know, this could all be hearsay, you know, that could be just outsider speculation is just the idea that because of the way Valve is structured, um, and there's tons of critique about just the ideal of uh, the the idea of holacracy and, you know, the, the, the idea of a higher of, of a workplace with no formal hierarchy, like what mm-hmm. actually gets done in, in, in that. And you can read, you know, smarter people talking about uh that's the you know that effect on the creative output uh but like the idea is you know a lot of people who were responsible for this they just moved on from valve because valve changed um additionally uh anybody that anybody who's there likely views this uh we're working on half-life 3 as a thankless job pretty much yeah that like there are so many there's so much more low-hanging fruit that is better for their own career path at the company that you know putting in any kind of hours or shoe leather into getting half-life 3 closer to finished uh is you know not necessarily going to redound to their benefit within the structure so yeah it's yeah. like saying it's going to reset and restart and be you know something different they publicly also just kind of said they stopped making single player games yep you know and just moving on to multiplayer games and it makes sense from a financial standpoint it is heartbreaking from an art standpoint yeah uh, that they've done that, like, you know, say, you know, what you will about your Dota's and whatever. I understand that there are people that like them um, and everything. It is a singular thing that we lost mm-hmm. uh, with them no longer making like the best compact short, you know, single player shooters that get made. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we, you know, we've talked about the discourse of the death of single player game and how it's greatly exaggerated. However, there is a decreased emphasis on a certain type of big hyped triple A, tri- you know, single player game mm-hmm. uh, that this is kind of endemic. Yeah, you know, are kind of related to, and that is something worth mourning. Like that sucks, mm-hmm. you know. Um, in the in the rush to say that there's not actually a problem, uh, I think that people overlook 
you know, there are parts of it that are actually kind of a problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of internet discourse.txt. Like that happens a lot. Yeah. The, um, the, the, there's also a lot of conf- confusion about whether or not Valve making that decision is a leading indicator, a lagging indicator, or if they could actually be considered an actor in the same space who could make decisions that act as a bellwether or indicate what other people are going to do. You know, yeah, like they're just a different kind of company now. So like them, yeah. them abandoning that, I don't know. I have no idea if that has any bearing on what goes on outside of them. You know, there's and there's other like also other bits of like key evidence or whatever, yeah. like key yeah. points in in that going away. It's not just Valve, but mm-hmm. Valve is definitely a big part of it. You know, and it's so it's so weird. Like there's a real shortcut to, to having a hot take online, mm-hmm. which is just to say, why is everyone complaining? This is actually isn't a problem, <laughs> and you know, it's it's a it's a really safe spot to be in because, uh, in some ways, you're always going to be right. Yeah, no. Like if somebody if you're somebody saying like you know, a the the death of single player games, like single player games didn't stop coming out. Yes, you're right. <laughs> when pe- when people talk about that though, they're talking about things like oh, like Arcane decided specifically not to continue the Dishonored series because uh-huh. the performance of Dishonored 2. Right. Like, that's a real thing. And it matters to some people who aren't you, mm-hmm. you know? So like, yes, there's still going to be single player games, but yes, I also get to be bummed out that we're not going to get a yeah. portal three or half-life episode three or a new property from these guys because they're too busy printing money with like Lord's management management games. Right. You know, with, with uh, whatever you'd call a Dota like. Um, your auto chess likes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, uh, as somebody who could not, even if I tried as hard as I possibly could, could not care less about those games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real bummer. It sucks. Yeah. You know, it sucks for me. Yeah. Uh, so real bummer. Uh, Half-Life three, there is a really interesting, uh, blog out there where Mark Laidlaw, uh, who's this guy who wrote the series published what would happen mm-hmm. in Half-Life three. I read that for the first time in preparing for this. It's really cool. Yep. Uh, I wish they had done it. Um, it sounds awesome. Same. So uh, whatever, if they actually do come out with it, it will be hard for it to be as cool as that uh, Epistle 3 thing to to me. Yeah. I think everything with, with Breen getting transhumanized, mm-hmm. uh, the ending of it, it is very cool. Yes. So. We can do it. Um, oh, well. Oh, well. Um, I'm not expecting Half-Life 3 to ever come out. Nope. I, so gave, I, I gave that up a long time ago. Yep. Me too. Um, and it is, uh, you know... Is is this Half Life Three? Was the is this Prog Fractions of a couple of years ago? And both jokes are really old now. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, no longer am I interested in either of those jokes. Mm-hmm. So it, not, it's I'm, all been done. I'm not interested in humor about Gabe Newell or Steam or any of that. Yeah, not, yeah. You know. It's really weird. It's like that is dated. Really, like they're kind of past that too. Like I don't see yeah. that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. That was the thing, and now it's just kind of this weird faceless Dota creator. What's the <laughs> other big thing that I'm not thinking of? What's the other way they're making tons of money? <sighs> I mean, um, not on not on Team Fortress Two hats anymore. No, no, that was a thing for a while. Yeah, but yeah, they just you know just make money mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like I I kind of get it. And then at the same time, and there's this whenever you make an art argument like this, like you're just like yeah, it sucks that they're not putting out these games. There's gonna be some asshole who is like yeah, but as a company, their only responsibility is to their shareholders. Mm-hmm. And if they're doing something that helps their shareholders, they're doing something right by the definitions of the rules of the game. And I'm like, that's also art though. Yeah. You know, like don't don't take art and boil it down to that. Mm-hmm. It's grotesque. 
Yeah. You know, you should be ashamed of yourself. Like, <laughs> you know, that, that's, uh, that's, that's artless and disgusting. Why do you want to live in that world? Yeah. So, you, know? you know, just stop and uh, examine maybe like once a quarter, whether or not you're being a gadfly for the status quo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> would be yeah. my, would be my general recommendation for anybody who, uh, has access to text fields online would be my, uh, yeah. would be my, uh, recommendation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. If you're listening to this on the public feed, this is the end of the episode. Uh, you can hear the rest of the episode, which includes us going through all of these levels and getting into the, the nitty gritty by becoming a patron at $5 a month at patreon.com slash duckfeed TV. Yep. Thank you to everybody who has done that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so and, uh, for those people, we'll see you next week with a dispatch mm-hmm. and uh, umbasa. 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 <laughs>